Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Chandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, I'm Chris Chandro, the pastor at Compass. Super glad that you're with me today, because today we're going to be talking about stuff, your stuff, my stuff, the stuff that we think is really important. And I want to start with telling you about my son. Now, my son recently started his first real job, and he had that universal experience that we all have when we start working, especially that first job. And it's that feeling of awe when you first get paid. Now, my first job was at Shoney's where I was a server. Uh, Maybe you remember it from Rick and Morty. Uh, But I remember leaving my first shift on a Friday night with $100 of tips in my pocket. Now, for a 15-year-old kid who's never had a job before, having your own grown-up money for the first time is mind-boggling. And my son had that experience at his first job. But even though he has more money than he's ever had in his life, he's absolutely terrified of spending it. Well, not entirely. If a video game comes out that he wants, I mean, he'll drop 60 bucks without thinking about it. But it's the smaller things that he stresses about. He won't spend $2 on an ice cream cone, even if he really wants it. And if he knows that it's going to make him happy, because he he might think he needs that money for something else. And the irony of all of this is that my son Calvin is still the most generous person who I ever know. When our our dog Echo was struggling with arthritis, he offered to single-handedly buy her a top-of-the-line $320 orthopedic dog bed. But he won't buy a McDonald's cheeseburger when he wants one. Because for my son, the security of having that money in the bank is more important than buying stuff that's going to make him happy. And we all have things like that in our lives. We all have things that make us feel secure and safe, like my son's money. Things that we won't let go of, even though it might make us happy. And again, for some of us, maybe it is money. But for others, it could be success or respect, power. Maybe it's a relationship or habit. But whatever it is, it's something we feel like we can't live without. And and it's not good or bad. It's just something that we won't put at risk, even though there might be something better on the other side. I want you to think about what your thing is. I want you to think about that non-negotiable thing that you are unwilling to let go of. And I'd like you to hold that thing in your mind as we look at someone else who had a non-negotiable that made him feel secure and what happened when he asked Jesus an important question. So we're going to take a look at Matthew 19, 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to have eternal life? Now, I want you to keep in mind that this guy, he's not necessarily thinking about dying and going to heaven someday when he asked this question. He's actually asking about the expectation of what a real-world Jewish nation that's devoted to God is going to look like. I mean, look at this in Deuteronomy 30.15 to understand why. God said, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. So there's this Jewish expectation that when the Messiah comes and reestablishes Israel as a nation— that they will follow God's commands, and then and that nation will have life for its people. And when this man asks what he must do to have eternal life, what he's really asking is this. 
is when God reestablishes the nation of Israel, what do I need to do to ensure that I have a position in this new kingdom? The story continues in verse 17. Why ask me about what's good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. So in response to the question, Jesus gives a reply that is perfectly in line with Jewish kingdom expectations. Follow God's commands and you will experience life. And in typical Jesus fashion, he, he simplifies things by then pointing to some of the Ten Commandments, not even all of them, just a few, and then adding the command to love your neighbor. But hearing this, the man isn't entirely satisfied with the simplicity of Jesus' answer. Verse 20, he says, I've obeyed all these commands, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus, I... I learned all of these things in Sunday school. I know the Ten Commandments. I've obeyed all these rules since I was a kid. But it can't be that easy. Surely there's more to life in the kingdom than just these simple rules. Maybe you know what that feels like, that nagging sense that even though you're doing all the things that a Christian is supposed to do, that you're still missing something. The story continues in verse 21. Jesus told him, Okay, if, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I bet this guy wishes he'd just kept his mouth shut instead of pushing Jesus and asking what else he should do, because Jesus' reply is extreme. If you want to be perfect, sell all your possessions, and give the money to the poor. I think that would be a tough pill for anyone to swallow because for many of us, financial security is our non-negotiable thing. Money is the thing that makes us feel safe. But it was more than just financial security for this guy because in an honor culture like Jesus's, having position and power in society, it meant that you were blessed by God. And being wealthy was a huge sign of God's blessing. So getting rid of that wealth, it would mean more than losing the currency of money because it would mean losing the currency of honor and respect. Giving away his wealth to the poor, it would also mean that he'd become poor himself, moving himself to the bottom rung of society, literally moving from being the greatest to the least. Now, before we continue on with the story, there are a few things that I want to draw your attention to that we've seen. And, and the first is this, is this guy was genuine. He wasn't trying to trap Jesus or draw attention to himself. It genuinely seems like he was pushing Jesus to go beyond Sunday school answers because he wanted to get it right. He wanted to understand the kingdom as Jesus saw it. Second thing I kind of want you to see in all this is that in giving away his earthly wealth, according to Jesus, this man would be storing up treasure in heaven. It means that how we manage what is valuable to us here and now, it'll have eternal consequences. And this actually reiterates what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 19. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth 
where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal? Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When we invest our treasure in the kingdom of God, our hearts are aligned with God and what he values. But when we hold back our non-negotiables from him, it shows that there are things that we desire more. Which brings me to the third thing that I just want to point out for you. And it's this, that the man was sad when he left. When Jesus told him to give away all that he had, he didn't say, you know, actually, Jesus, I'm feeling pretty good about what I have going on right now. I'm perfectly happy with, with what I have. And if it's my kingdom position or my wealth, I'm perfectly happy to stick with what I got. Instead, even though he got to keep all of his wealth, he went away sad. He knew that fully embracing the kingdom of God would make him happy and fulfilled, but he was still unwilling to let go of his wealth to get it. It's especially sad when you realize what the words come follow me meant when Jesus said them. See, those words were typically used by rabbis as an official invitation for someone to fully join them as a disciple. In the Gospels, Jesus only said, come follow me, when he was calling one of the twelve. This man could have been the thirteenth disciple, but the desires of his heart were with his treasure, his wealth. If following Jesus meant giving up his non-negotiable, then he knew that following Jesus would be impossible. And even though he still had his wealth, he went away sad because deep down he knew that he was walking away from something wonderful, but he couldn't let go of his treasure. The story continues in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I think we tend to read this passage with a little bit of judgment. Like, like the rich man is the villain in this story. And while there are times where rich people are presented as the villain in Jesus' parables, I don't think that's the case here. I think Jesus is saying this with a hint of sadness and regret rather than judgment. Like Jesus is saying, I wish it wasn't like this, but it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. It doesn't make Jesus happy. I mean, he loves the rich as much as he loves the poor, and it brings him no joy to see the rich man walk away. The story continues in verse 25. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently. He said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. The disciples were like, if this guy who's obviously been blessed by God with wealth and honor, if he can't get in, how's it possible for the rest of us? I mean, he has all the qualities of a great kingdom citizen. And if there's no place for him, how is there possibly a place for anyone else? But in response, Jesus strikes a note of hope. He says, yeah, it's, it's as impossible as a camel going through the needle or the eye of a needle for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But... With God, everything's possible. 
mean, yeah, that rich man walked away because his wealth had too great a hold on him, but it isn't over for him because God still loves him. And with God, everything is possible. There's no one God can't reach. There's no one who's irredeemable. And even when Jesus himself acknowledges how hard it is for some people to experience eternal life in God's kingdom, nothing is impossible with God. There's no one God can't save, no one he can't make a way for, and nothing that he can't do when it comes to bringing people into his kingdom, even those people who can't seem to let go of their treasure. So as we bring all of this together, can I confess that it's easy for me to judge this rich guy pretty harshly? Like he failed Jesus in a way that I never would. But maybe that's because I've never been rich. And God has never asked me to sell all my stuff and give it to the poor. It's easy to see this guy's money as a weakness when we don't have any. But the truth is, we're all rich. Maybe not with money, but we all have things that are valuable. We all have our own treasure. Remember the thing I asked you to put in the back of your mind at the beginning of this message? Your non-negotiable? That's your treasure. It may not be wealth like it was for the rich man, but... Maybe your desires lie with your career, your social status, or your self-image. Maybe it's a relationship you want or, or the need to be respected by your family and friends. These things are all treasure. They're things that we can't live without. And none of them are bad. I mean, quite the opposite. But they all make us rich. And just like the rich man's wealth, all of them can become things that we hold so tightly that we can't receive the kingdom that Jesus is offering us. His kingdom, which is life itself, full, complete, whole, lacking nothing, life. That's what Jesus offers. And here's the thing. Having everything means holding on to nothing. In order to, to receive the kingdom, we have to be willing to release everything else that we're holding on to. Because the kingdom of God, it can't be received by hands that are closed tightly around the things we treasure it can only be received by open hands, open hands that hold lightly to the things we value. And I think Jesus sensed that the rich man's wealth was his idol, his alternative God, the thing that would prevent him from experiencing life. And we all have something like that. What's yours? Is there something you value more than following Jesus? What can't you live without? What makes you feel safe, secure, and powerful? Because Jesus invites us to hold those things in lower esteem than we do his kingdom and its values. And when we do, when we seek his kingdom first, Jesus promises to take care of everything else because he can do so much more than our treasure can. So may we be people who hold our treasure lightly, who consistently ask God to show us the things in our life that may be keeping us from his kingdom, no matter how hard they are to let go of. And may we have the courage to put our faith in him and invest our treasure in the things of heaven rather than in the things of earth. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.